Good morning, and welcome to this worship service. It's wonderful to have each one of you here with us this morning. I invite you to stand for the call to worship, which is printed in your bulletin. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grant, O Lord, that now and every time we come before you in worship and in prayer, that we may be vividly aware of your power and a sense of your protection. And may we know in our hearts and minds and souls the wonder of the grace of your peace. This we pray through Jesus' name. Amen.
awesome declaration as we gather for worship, focusing our thoughts and our attention on all that Christ has done for us. It is so great to see you here as we gather for worship today. Take a moment, share a word of greeting, a word of peace with others who are here as well in worship. Uh, you'll notice that uh, next Sunday we go back to our regular worship schedule of services at 8, 20, 9, 40, and 11. And also there's an insert in your bulletin about our missions convention coming up in a couple of weeks. And we are doing some trips and some uh, activities and we'd love to have you be a part of that. And uh, just take note of, of uh, the schedule and uh, I think there's a sign-up sheet in the back as well or you can let us know in the office. As uh, we want to be not just thinking about the world but engaging ourselves in the world as well. Please stand as we continue in worship.
we have the opportunity now to spend some time praying together. If you would like to come and offer your prayers at the altar rail, please come and join me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come today to declare that you are the great God. There is none like you. You are God. And we worship you, we bow before you, we celebrate you. And we come in this moment to pray to you because you have called us and invited us and encouraged us to pray. Father, as we gather today, there are many burdens on our hearts and our minds. We continue to pray for all who are wrestling with with grief and loss, pain, and the various ways in which it comes to us. We ask for your comforting presence. Father, we pray for all who are wrestling with issues of health. And we particularly think of Calvin and Laurel Bucher and Warren Woolsey. Bill Getty and Phil Muker, Mike Raybuck, Jill Tyson, Bruce Brenneman, Everett, Micah Christensen, Linda Roth, Dick Gould, Crystal Blake, Emily Cricklar, and others who may be on our hearts today. We ask for your healing grace upon each one. Father, as We come today, we are so grateful for the ministry of this church. Our lives have been touched and changed, and you use the ministry of this church in so many ways to help us in our journey with you. And this morning, as we think about the many ministries of the church, we pray specifically for our missions committee and the work of missions in this church. Thank you for the long history that this church has of thinking about others this morning, we pray that you will give grace to the missions committee as they uh, help us be a church that's concerned about others outside of us. We pray for this convention that's coming up in a couple of weeks and everyone involved and all the preparations and planning. And we pray that you will work miraculously as we think about the world around us and the world a long ways from us. Continue to to use the missions committee to help us express more and more the heart of Christ for the world. And Father, we thank you for the churches around us. This morning, we pray for the Centerville United Methodist Church and Pastor Bob. We ask, Father, that you will bless this church, that you will help them as as they minister to the community of Centerville and beyond that you would give them grace and mercy and that you would help them to be a beacon of light. We pray your anointing upon all that they do. Father, we think of the world far beyond us. We think, Father, of of the work of, of your kingdom in Haiti. And we think especially of Chris and Corey Theed as, as they have reminded us about the election coming up in Haiti next Sunday. We ask, Father, that you will, you will eliminate all of the threats of violence and, and upheaval that, that could tear this nation apart. 
We pray that you would bring peace and that you would bring those, you would help those to be elected who will help the nation of Haiti be stronger and reach out to people in need and be and assist the people of this nation. And Father, we continue to remember our brothers and sisters who face threats and persecution every day for their faith in you. Lord, we pray for Valentin, this Christian in Central Asia, who is facing so much harassment from family and from others. We pray that you would help him to continue to stand strong, to be courageous through your spirit. And Father, as we think about his witness, encourage us about our own. May he inspire us to be the people you desire us to be in our world as you give him courage and strength and support and grace in his world. Father, thank you so much for hearing our prayers today. We offer these and all of our prayers in the strong and powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our scripture reading for this morning is from Luke chapter 3, verses 1 through 22. Following the tradition of the church, if you are able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iurea and Trachonitis, and Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, the prophet, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough way smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit 
will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. He locked John up in prison. When all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. As the ushers come forward to assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings, please remain standing for the doxology. Awaken us to the claims of your holy will, O God, and stir us with a passion for your kingdom, that we may respond at this time with our gifts and also with our lives. Amen. You may be seated.
One of the questions that comes to my mind as we think about uh, the practices of the church is why do we practice baptism? Why has baptism been such a, an integral part of what it means to be the church for, from its beginning? I mean, they are, with just a couple of exceptions, uh, baptism is something that every Christian group, denomination practices. Why do we go through the classes? Why do we put people in robes? Why do we do all this preparation? Because actually, it, it takes a little bit to get this ready. You know, these, the lids on top of this are heavy. Maybe you didn't even know this baptistry was there. It's pretty well hidden. It's heavy. Steve's got to come last night to fill up part way, and then I, and I appreciate it. He comes early this morning so that it's a little bit warmer than it would be if it just sat there all night. And, and I'm sure some of you are already thinking, so how close is he going to get to that while he's talking here? And some of you may be worried about that. Others of you may be thinking, this could be awesome. Finally, something exciting happening in church as he swan dives in the thing. You know, why is baptism so important? Well, there are, there are a lot of reasons for that. And one of them we find, an integral reason, is here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 3. We find John the Baptist going up and down the Jordan River baptizing people. And John says to them, and, and Luke tells us that John, John is telling the people, he's baptizing them because it's, it's about repentance and forgiveness. And, and baptism is about that. It is an opportunity to come and to say, I'm a sinner, I repent of my sins, and, and God has worked in my life. God has transformed me. It's, a hard, it's at the heart of, of John's baptism, and, and it is really at the heart of the message of the gospel. It, it's one of those kingdom principles that, that we keep coming back to, that, that the kingdom is about repentance and forgiveness. We find that, that Jesus is comes onto the scene here, and John is preparing for him, and the people are saying to John, they're wondering, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we've been waiting for? And John clearly says, no, it's not me. There's one coming. And, and, and he's going to, to take this to a whole other level. But it's still about repentance and forgiveness. It's about, it's about embracing the, the principles of the kingdom, of, of who God is and what God wants to do in our lives. And really, in, essence, in many ways, baptism brings us this, this summary image of, of what the kingdom's about. It's fascinating to me that Jesus comes and, and presents himself, submits himself for baptism. Now, Luke doesn't tell us this, but Matthew and Mark do, that when Jesus comes, John says, whoa, wait a second. I shouldn't be baptizing you. You should be baptizing me because John knows who Jesus is. And Jesus says, no, it's right for you to do this. It, it, it fascinates me because here is John baptizing all of these people who have come and said, I'm a sinner, I need to repent of my sin, I need the forgiveness of God to, to be able to live the life that I'm supposed to live. And Jesus steps into that and says, I need to be a part of this too. I mean, that in and of itself might be all the evidence we need to say we all ought to be baptized. 
Jesus, despite the fact that he's sinless, comes to John, submits himself to be baptized. And in this act, Jesus is embodying the very core of the kingdom, that it is about humility and selflessness and surrender and submission to God. And it's something we don't do privately. It's something we do publicly. Baptism's always been a public event. There are times where you can't help it. And, and the situation presents itself that a baptism might need to take privately. But it's intended to be public. It's intended to be something that people witness. Both for the people being baptized and for the people who are witnessing. For the people being baptized, it is a declaration that... I'm all in for Jesus, and I want you to know that. And in fact, it is something that is so important to the declaration of faith that in some cultures of the world, you can say to a family member or to friends that, you know, I'm a Christian, and they will say, okay, that's fine, but getting baptized is drawing the line in the sand. And it's at baptism that the opposition really intensifies and the persecution comes. Because it's this public declaration that I'm serious about this. My life is about God. I'm all in for Jesus. And we who witness this, we need to see it. Because for those of us who have been baptized, we need to be reminded that of our baptism and our baptismal vows... And to come back to that again and again and again. To be reminded of what the kingdom is really about. Because we live in a world that keeps bombarding us with messages about all the things that the kingdom is not. And baptism sort of focuses all of the energy and attention back into the core element of the kingdom. That it's about humility and selflessness. It's about surrender and submission. It's about Jesus. About being all in. For Jesus. I'm intrigued that when the people come to John, he says to them, he doesn't say to them, which I would expect him to say, oh, great, this is awesome. Look at all these people coming to be baptized. All right, let's line them up and let's do this. He says, you brood of vipers, who invited you to this thing? Not a real good church growth strategy. I don't go, I, you know, I go to these seminars sometimes. I've never once had them say, what you ought to do is stand outside the church and, and condemn people and, and yell at them and tell them, why are you here? You shouldn't be coming here. Get out of here. Not a lot of people are going to stay for that. But John recognizes that for some reason, these people are coming with the wrong spirit, the wrong attitude. He says to them that, that you think that just because you were born into the, the family of Israel, that that's all that matters. And it's not. It's not about who we think we are. John says it's not so much even, I mean, as important as it is to what we believe and as important, important as it is what we think, John says the real test here is how you live. Is it matching up? Because if you're all in, you can say, I'm all in for Jesus. But if your life doesn't match up to that, if there's not fruit in our lives, then do we really believe that we're all, is it really true we're all in for Jesus? And baptism's about being all in for Jesus. 
was reading this week that in, back in the, the fourth century, around the time of Constantine and the church becoming embraced by the, by the culture, that uh, a lot of people in that time were baptized right at the last of their, at the end of their lives. They were baptized in those last moments before death. And one of the reasons for that was because they, they felt that once you were baptized, then you ought to basically live a sinless life. And they realized that would be pretty impossible to do. So they waited till the last minute, thinking that those last maybe few hours or days, maybe they could be sinless. But they also found that this was particularly the mindset of people who had positions in either the government or some kind of job where their, their job, their livelihood, their practice was to torture people or to murder people. And they realized that if they got baptized, they probably shouldn't be doing that. So they waited till the end of their lives when they weren't doing that anymore to then be baptized. And we look at that and think, you know, maybe it'd be a different strategy, be better. Maybe you should get baptized and change your behavior. But it does tell you how seriously they take it. Even though we may disagree with the reasoning behind it, it does tell you this is serious. This is important. It's significant. Because we recognize that if we're going to take this step, if we're going to do this, it can't just be about what we say. It's about how we live. And so the people come to John and say, what do we do? What a great question. What should we do? And John's answer isn't believe the right things, as important as that is. He doesn't say think the right things, as important as that is. He says do the right things. Be generous. If you've got two coats, give one away. If you've got extra food, give it away. If you've got food at all, give it away. And then the tax collectors come and they say, what should we do? And John says, stop taking money from people that you shouldn't take. Do your job, but don't take advantage of people. And then the soldiers come, what should we do? And he says, don't extort money from people. Don't take advantage of people just because you can. Isn't it interesting that all of the things John talks about are about possessions? About stuff we want to hang on to. You know, when we, when we, people come for baptism, it's been a long practice that people wear white robes when they're baptized. And one of the reasons for that is that it symbolizes purity, it symbolizes the, the fact that we want to live a pure life and, and, and focuses on that. But there's a part, and I think that's important, but there's a part of me that wants to say we ought to come to be baptized in our very best clothes, in the clothes that make us feel the best about ourselves and we ought to fill our pockets with all our, our most valuable possessions and get down in the water and be baptized in all that stuff. Simply to say, it's all Jesus's. It's all his. And as I am going down into the waters of baptism in death and coming out in life, all of this stuff, I take my hands off of. I'm living my life with open hands instead of closed hands. You know, in many ways, baptism is one of the most subversive things we do as Christians. Because in baptism, we are declaring to the rest of the world that the ways in which the world judges rightness and wrongness, the way the world judges what is valuable, what's success, 
we are declaring that we believe that the way the kingdom declares those things, the way Jesus sees those things, is the right way. And in baptism, we are standing up publicly and saying, I mean, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to struggle. But the desire of my heart, the desire of my heart is the purposes of the kingdom. I want to be, I want to have the heart of Jesus. I want to live toward people the way Jesus lives toward people. I want to think about the world the way Jesus thinks about the world. I want people to see Christ in me. And so I want to to embrace the humility and the selflessness and the surrender and the submission of Jesus. Ultimately, baptism is really a it's really an act of trust in the good news of grace. I mean, in many ways, baptism is really not so much about us as it is about God. Because when you boil it down, the only reason we're able to say, I want to be all in for Jesus, is because of Jesus. It's because of what Christ has done for us. And it's the offer of God's grace to us. And that's why baptism, though it's a great challenge, it is a, it is a great act of discipleship, it is asking a great deal of us, it is also a celebration. It's an act of joy. Because we are celebrating that we come to repent because God has invited us to come to repent. And we are forgiven because Jesus has gone to the cross for us. And we live a new life because Jesus has risen from the dead and the Spirit is with us. And rather than being uh, something that we, that we dread, it's something we anticipate. When we walk out of the waters of baptism in the joy and the peace and the life of Christ who has changed us. And that's what really we're, we're doing as we come and celebrate baptism today. We are, we are celebrating what Christ has done for us. And we are rejoicing that these folks are coming today and saying, I recognize what Jesus has done. And I want everyone to know that I am responding to that grace with an open heart and an open mind. And with a desire and a passion for Jesus. And as you watch and as you engage with these folks who are baptized this morning, remember your baptismal vows. Remember what you promised when you were baptized. Remember what Christ has done for you that led you to being baptized. And recommit yourself to be all in for Jesus. I'm going to ask those who are being baptized to come and stand here in front. In keeping with the example of Jesus, you have promised and presented yourselves today that you might receive the sacrament of baptism. 
Baptism is not itself the door to salvation, but it is a response to Christ's gift of salvation that you've received. It proclaims to all the world that you've taken Jesus Christ as your Lord and that it is your purpose to walk in his ways through his grace. In order that we may hear your testimony of what God has done for you and that we may know that you understand the significance of the step you're taking today, we're going to ask you these questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and the sins of the whole world and that he rose from the dead, enabling all people to have life now and for all eternity? If so, answer, I do. Do you this day surrender your life to Jesus Christ? And do you desire to be baptized as a witness of what Christ has done for you? If so, answer, I do. By being baptized today, are you telling the world that your desire is to be filled with the Spirit of Jesus and to live your life for him always? If so, answer, I am. And is it your desire to connect yourself to the church of Jesus Christ and to lead others as God enables you to relationship with Christ as well? If so, answer, it is. Heavenly Father, we pray for these who stand before us today. Deliver them from the way of sin and death. Open their hearts to your grace and truth. Fill them with your holy, life-giving spirit. Keep them in the faith and in the communion of your holy church. And teach them to love others in the power of the spirit. Bring them to the fullness of your peace and glory that they may live in the power of Christ's resurrection and look for him. And he comes again in glory. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.
Good morning, everyone. My name is Ken. I'm a senior from Houghton Academy. Um, I didn't grow up in a Christian family, but I'm glad that um, how God has been working in my life. Last year, Mr. King encouraged me to be baptized, but I think I was not ready. So, um, and then last summer, I met a, an African in the subway station, and I just felt like uh, God asked me to help him. 
and in fact, he's also a Christian. Um, I just, um, I was amazed by how God has been working in my life. Um, I chose to be baptized because Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, and I will, I will live in the way that Jesus asked me to live. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. ago. That's how I started to learn God. As I know God more and more, I feel His will. And uh, He used His strength from, uh, for me to keep me seen. I do make mistakes, but I know God always forgive me. And uh, I also learned that Jesus was dying for our things. I'm so thankful for that. That's why I want to be baptized. I'm so thankful for three families that make a very big influence for me of this baptize. Mm, the first one is the Lockies. They show me the way to God. and. Uh, that's the first time that I know God is real because they really share the God's love with me. And then comes my parents, uh, the Dovers and uh, the Sardinas. Uh, it's not easy that for me to be baptized, but they still support me and they trust me and uh, build up my faith. So. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you, God sent all of you into my life and uh, share His love with me. Thank you. Derek Wong, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kiyop Jun from Hopna Academy. Yeah. Recently, I faced a large temptation. But I was I was able to overcome the temptation, the the power of God, strength of God. I from the experiment, I found how God loves me and how He supports me in every way. So I decided to decided to get baptized today. <laughs> so, today I'm becoming an official Christian here, and I want to make promise 
to every one of you now. From now on, as a Christian, I'm going to stand firm, resist temptation, and set good examples to both Christians and non-Christians so that we can live life according to our God. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.
were baptized to come back up here, stand up in front, and uh, we've given each of them a candle because um, light has always been a symbol of God's presence. It's one of the reasons why we have acolytes and we light candles each week when we gather for worship. The lights were, the candles were lit in the temple, in the tabernacle, just to remind us that God is present. Jesus says that he is the light of the world and he shines in the darkness. And one of the most astounding things that Jesus says after that is he looks at his disciples and says, you're the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they might see your good deeds and give praise to your Father in heaven. And that's exactly what has happened this morning. As each one of of these young people came and shared their their testimony with us and uh, publicly declared their their great, their thanksgiving to God and their, their desire to follow Christ, shining their light. But this isn't the end. This is the beginning. Much as we talk about graduation, we talk in terms of not an ending, but commencement, a beginning. That's really what this is. It is now uh, commencing their uh, ongoing journey with Christ and ours as well. And so they, they have come here this morning and, uh, with these candles to remind them and to remind us about uh, the call to be the light of the world and the light that the world desperately needs. And so as, they, as we sing our last hymn, uh, they're going to be here when we're done and we've, after the benediction. Uh, we're going to invite you to uh, come up and as you, before you leave, Congratulate them, share a word of support and affirmation. Assure them of your prayers uh, because uh, we all need prayers. We all need uh, the prayers of of the people as we journey with Christ. So let's stand as we uh, sing the last song.
receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.